0: Well, good morning again. It's good to have you here with us on this cooler spring morning, but it's not snowing, right? So let's, that's something we can praise God for. It made me think, however, of a snowy night this past winter when I woke up to hear a snowplow on my street and the sleeping, the sleep-jarring sounds of the beep, 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 beep it's not so surprising here in Dunkirk to be hearing snow plows. And we're thankful, Jake, for the people who are out plowing our roads. But I was a little worried when the headlights were shining directly into my house, which is not at the end of the street. It's in the middle of the street. Normally, the plow goes by and you kind of see the flashing lights. But this light was coming right into my window. So I got up, peeked through the blinds, and I saw my new neighbor across the street plowing his driveway somewhere around two in the morning. The next day I was out shoveling, and I saw my neighbor across the street, and so I walked over, and he said, I hope I didn't wake you up last night, and I probably lied and said, no, no, it was fine. It's not right to lie, but it just feels awkward to say, why, yes, you did. That's why I'm coming to talk to you. It wasn't. I just wanted to say hi and see how he was doing. And he told me that the reason he was up plowing at two in the morning was he was trying to get his mind wrapped around the phone call that he had just received. His mom had just passed away. And my neighbor is just a few years older than me, and he had tears in his eyes, and we're standing out looking at the snow that we have still to shovel in our yards, And he told me more about his mom. He told me that he got to visit with her and the family members were with her. And I gave him a hug and I prayed with him and I shed a tear along with him too. The reason I got to do all of those things to have that conversation was because I took the big step across the street and talked to my neighbor. God calls us to be his image bearers. He wants us to bring his love, his mercy, his compassion, his kindness, his justice to the ends of the earth. But not just us believers. The world says or the word says that we're all created in his image. So even unbelievers are taking parts of God's image, parts of his character throughout the world. Believers have the unique opportunity And the responsibility to take even more of God's character and the gospel to the ends of the world. Today, as we dive back into the book of Jonah, we'll see a stark contrast between a believer who's running from God and unbelievers who have been brought into his life. I'll give you a hint Jonah does not come out smelling roses. He's the one that looks bad, and the unbelievers look pretty good. This is one of the marks of authenticity of God's Word. The heroes, the stars of the story, are portrayed exactly as they are. They're sinners, just like you and me, in need of a Savior. They have good days, they have bad days, they know what they're supposed to do and they don't always do it. Does that sound familiar? We all struggle with that. We have God's word in our hands and yet we still struggle to follow it, to obey him. There's no whitewashing in the Bible, there's no virtue signaling. The people are real and their need for God is shown clearly, every single one of them, except for our savior, Jesus Christ. So we're continuing our sermon series from the book of Jonah. It's called Running from God's Grace. And this will probably take us just to the beginning of uh, the summer, maybe through the end of the spring. It's a shorter series. But we're looking at one of the minor prophets. And he's not minor because he was short, but because his book was short. He had a shorter message, and it's actually a narrative. It's him telling a huge event that happened in his life And because of God's grace, he's willing to tell this story. He does not look good in the book of Jonah. If I was writing my story after finding Kevin Costner or Harrison Ford or one of those guys to play me, I would want it to make me look great. But Jonah shows us the struggles that he ran from God, that he hated his neighbor's He showed us his real self so that we could see in that our own selves and say, yes, I have some of these problems too, and yes, I need a Savior. Throughout the narrative, we're going to see God's sovereignty, his all-powerfulness, his omnipotence in full display. He controls the weather. He controls plants growing, and he controls all of the things that are going on in the world around us. So when we're afraid, when we have problems piling up, we can trust God and know that He is still in control. And if the things are getting really hard for us, it's because He wants us to face those difficulties and say, I need you. I can't do this alone. Often those things strengthen our faith, they draw us back to Him. We need the ups and the downs But we can rest assured, we can sleep at night knowing that God is in full control, even showing his amazing mercy, his grace, and calling this running prophet back again and again. Last week, we saw God's incredible promise that he would go to the ends of the earth to bring his children back to him, to his love, to his goodness, to the place where they belong. And today as Jonah interacts with Gentiles, bless you, as he interacts with the people on the ship with him, God shows us that he cares about how we relate to people, that we're not in a bubble. We heard the testimonies of how loving this church family is, and some of us want to just stay here all week long because it's great. But God calls us to go out and to be lights, to be out in the world showing love and not just keeping it to ourselves. If you missed any of those previous messages, you can find them on our website. If you're watching online with us, welcome, Frank, happy birthday. And if you are um, here in the room, you can scan the QR code, you can catch up on the earlier messages from the book of Jonah. They're even supposed to be out there in podcast world. Uh, My son Will called me this week and said, Dad, I can't find you on iTunes and I don't know why it's not there. I'm going to have to ask Ryan to try and help me out, but I clicked a bunch of boxes and pushed some buttons, and it shows up on a thing called Cast box, which is where I listen to iPods or iPodcasts. Thank you. I sound old, don't I? <laughs> That's where I listen, but it's there for some reason, but it's not in all of the other places. So Ryan's going to bail me out, I hope, and um, you can look for it there too. So we're in Jonah. If you want to grab a pew Bible in front of you or if you have your own, uh, the the black Bibles have a smaller font. So if you're young, grab one of those. If you're my age, grab one of the maroon ones. Um, It's on page 726 in the black Bible, and it's page 920 in the red Bible. And if you are using your own Bible, Jonah is found near the end of the Old Testament between Obadiah and Micah, almost where Matthew is about to begin So let's hear the beginning of Jonah. I'm not going to read the whole book every time, but because these are short verses, I'm just going to catch you up and read verses 1 to 6. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish, I pointed out last week the repetition of the word Tarshish and how fun that is to say, but it was making the point over and over again that Jonah is going in the opposite direction of Nineveh. He's going thousands of miles, or at least he's headed that way, away from where God wants him to be, away from what he thinks is the presence of the Lord. He's trying to escape. He's trying to run away. There's another word that was repeated that I emphasized a little bit. Did you... See that one? It's three times in the passage. Twice in verse 3 and again. Twice in verse 5. That's four times. What's the word? It's not like a or the or of, one of those little words. Not Tarshish, we got that? Down. Down. If you say you had a down day, what do you mean? Sad. It was not a good day. Up is good. Down is sad. It's also a symbol of going away from God. Heaven we think of as being up and hell is down, right? Good things, things are looking up. Things are down. So we're seeing Jonah going down to Joppa. He goes down to the city, down to the seaport. He goes down to a ship. He goes down into the inner part of the ship, and then he lays down fast asleep, showing that he's moving further and further and further down into himself, away from God, away from pleasing God. It's like a symbol of sin. It's often a spiral that takes us down and down and down, and often a little tiny sin, like what we would call a fib or a white lie becomes worse and worse and worse. The more times we retell it, the more people we hurt and our sin just carries us further and further and further down. Jonah is going down into the ship in disobedience. He's laying down to sleep, ignoring the crew, ignoring the reality of this storm all around him. And sin is like that. It grabs a hold of us And it keeps pulling us down and down and down until we reach up for God and say, Lord, lift me up that I may stand. Lift me out of this bog. Lift me out of this mire. Get me out of the mud. Lift me up, God. I need you. It's also getting, for Jonah, going darker and darker into a place of solitude, away from God, away from the light of his love. Listen to what The Apostle John said in 1 John 1, 5-7, This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his Son cleanses us from all sin. God calls us to live in the light, not to go down into the darkness and stay there and say, yes, I'm following you, God, but I'm living down here in the dark. Back in Jonah, it tells us that these experienced sailors, these mariners, were afraid. They were terrified. And they're crying out, each to their own gods. Often a god was a geographic god entity. So if you lived in the city of Fredonia, you prayed to a certain god. If you lived in Dunkirk, you had a different god. And they had what they thought were gods of the harvest and gods of the sea and gods of the woods. And they had all these different gods that they would call out to for special purposes. But you know, if sailors are on their knees praying that things have to be bad, right? They would just brush this off. They would be tough and say, oh, I've seen worse but these guys are terrified. This was a big storm. And I think they finally realized that this was not a natural storm. Whether they could look off in the horizon and see the blue skies, I don't know. But the Bible says God hurled this storm at them specifically the wind, the waves, everything crashing around them. It's just me. Is because Jonah is trying to run away. The captain finally finds Jonah, fast asleep, below deck, and totally dumbfounded. The captain says, what do you mean, sleeping? Don't you see we're about to die up here? Don't you care? Look at the words he uses in verse 6. Arise, call out to your God. Now go up a couple of verses to verse 2. Arise. Go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it. This captain is using the very words that God used to get Jonah's attention. Get up and call out to Nineveh. Go preach to them. Tell them they need to repent. And here's this unbelieving sea captain, unknowingly using the exact same words. Arise, Jonah, and call out to your God. Again, we see God's providence in this. And Jonah must be thinking, wait, does this guy know what God said to me? How is that possible? God made this happen. What we see in these unbelieving pagans, they're not Jewish mariners. They're probably Phoenicians, and they're traveling the Mediterranean, making their trade as they visit all these seaports and bring goods to and fro we see that they're not narrow-minded. They're not bigoted. They're not prejudiced against their Jewish passenger. They didn't blame him or disrespect his God, even when later Jonah tells them who he is and who his God is, and he asks them to throw him into the sea. They're looking for everything else they could possibly do. They have compassion. They have love and care for Jonah, even though he is different from them. The people around Israel hated Israel. They heard about the great things God did, but they wanted that land just as people still do today. And they, these men looked at Jonah and said, he's in the boat with us. We care about him. We don't want anything bad to happen to him. But here's Jonah, a prophet of the true God, the one and only God, not these fake gods that these men are praying to, Jonah, the one who doesn't care about the people of Nineveh. He doesn't care about this captain or the mariners, the crew on the ship. The same storm is impacting all of them. They're in the boat together. And Jonah could care less. Think back to 2020 when COVID was running rampant through the whole world. What were Christians doing? What were you doing? Were you showing love and compassion to your neighbors? Or were you looking for somebody to blame? Let's throw it on China. Let's throw it on the Russians. Let's find somebody to be mad at, to be angry at. Did we love the people around us who we knew were facing something so terrifying and they were so hopeless? What's going to happen next? Maybe this is how it all ends. Is what we were hearing in the news, what we saw tweeted, what we saw on Facebook, did we go out to them with a message of hope and love? Or did we just hunker down into our houses and hide from everybody? There was an opportunity then, and there still is. Every time something bad happens, instead of saying, well, they're getting what they deserved, Christians should be saying We all deserve punishment. We all deserve God's wrath and judgment. But there's hope in Jesus Christ. I, just like you, am facing this problem, but I have hope because I know that God has a home for me, and He can have a home for you too. Even though this unbelieving ship's crew, the captain, even though they were crying out to their God, Jonah, showed that he could care less. He wasn't part of the community. He didn't see himself as one of them. He saw himself as a Jew, a member of God's special chosen people, and he could really care less about anybody else. When we see pain, when we see the world suffering around us, even people that we think are getting what they deserve, do we remember our own sin? Do we remember how much God forgave us and that we have a place waiting for us in heaven? All people, scripture says, are made in the image of God. They're all loved and precious to him. Matthew chapter 5 verses 14 to 16, this is part of the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus was calling his followers to be lights in the world. You don't have to turn there. But you remember what he said. If you have a light, do you put it under a basket? No, you take it out and you put it on a lampstand. We're a light on a hill for the world to see who God is, to see his love. So that unbelievers can give God glory and recognize him. Are we concerned for the common good? Do we care about the people around us? The sailors on that ship were much more concerned about the common good. They wanted everyone to survive. Even the sea captain hurling his cargo over and seeing all of his money, all of the pay, just disappearing under the waves, he wanted to save the ship and to save the men under his care. They cared about the common good, but Jonah didn't. And then we have common grace. Over in the book of James Let me read these verses to you. Chapter 1, verses 16 to 18. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures every good gift, every good thing on earth is because of God. There's a theologic, theological concept called common grace. And that says that because we are all here on earth, because we're created in God's image, even unbelievers can experience some of God's grace. The fact that the sun rose this morning and brought light to our part of the world, and it's going to continue to bring light around the whole globe. Whether people love God or don't, he brings light and warmth and growth. The Bible says he brings rain on the just and the unjust. I remember reading that verse and always thinking that rain was bad, right? I'm standing out there and it's raining on me, and somebody else has an umbrella and I'm getting rained on. Until I lived in the farm country of Indiana, and then I started looking at it rain as a blessing. God brings rain to bless us, to bless us, right? We're annoyed by rain because we're not trying to grow things, most of us. But God brings rain to everyone. We see plants grow, we see animals flourishing. We have food to eat. Everyone on the earth experiences those blessings and that grace, that undeserved goodness from God. Sinners and the redeemed alike can receive these blessings. Rich read most of Psalm 145 for us earlier, but I just want to highlight a couple of those verses. Verse 9 and then 14 to 16. The Lord is good to all, and His mercy is over all that He has made. The Lord upholds all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. You open your hand, you satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all His ways and kind in all His works. The Lord is near to all who call on Him, to all who call on Him in truth. That all that's repeated over and over again is talking about the whole world, not just the righteous, not just those who are believers. It tells us what happens to those who call on him, that he will answer them. But it says the Lord is good to all, and he shows mercy on all. Peter answered the question of, why hasn't Jesus come back yet? Why hasn't he returned for his followers? We've been waiting over 2,000 years. And scripture says it's because God is patient, and he doesn't want to see anyone else perish that doesn't need to. He wants more and more people to hear the gospel and to be saved. That's why he's waiting. And we impatiently just want him to come back right now so we can get out of here. And God is thinking about the world and those who still need to come to him. It's in Matthew chapter 5 also where Jesus said, The sun rises for the evil and the righteous, and the rain falls on the just and the unjust. God upholds all. He provides food for every living creature. Jesus talked about that again. Even the sparrow is provided for. Even the lilies of the field in all of their splendor can't match the glory of God. God knows about the plants growing, the trees growing, the animals having water and food. The world receives God's blessings and grace even though every one of us is undeserving God is near to all who call on him. He's always available. It's just a matter of humbling ourselves and saying, I need you, God. That grace is available to everyone. But Jonah was part of the chosen nation of Israel. He's part of God's special people who were supposed to show the world how amazing God was. He had the blessing of God's law revealed directly. He had his word. And yet, Jonah was selfish and uncaring. As believers, as we receive God's common grace, sometimes we act unrighteously instead of righteously. And we see unbelievers receiving common grace and outshining believers. How many generous philanthropists And courageous, unbelieving people have done amazing things in this world, outshining believers, caring for their communities. As Christians, we should be humbled by those people and we should say, look at these great things they're doing. Sometimes they're hoping to gain God's favor. And there's an opportunity for us to share the gospel and say, nothing more that you can do will gain God's forgiveness and love. You don't have to do a single thing because Jesus did it all for you. In dying on the cross, he paid the penalty for us in our place. So as people do great things, caring about their communities and maybe trying to please God, we have an opportunity to share the good news. We should appreciate the work of all people learning from them, seeing their examples. We have that in the men and women who fought for our nation, who fought to bring freedom, and many of them weren't believers, but they still cared about their neighbors. They still cared about people being rescued from oppression. Jonah was learning this lesson the hard way, and we're going to continue to see just how hard things got He thought he was down pretty far in the hold of the ship, but he's going to go down even farther in the coming weeks. So as we wrap up, the question on our minds could be, who's my neighbor? Who am I supposed to be kind to? Who am I supposed to show this common good and common grace to? In Luke 10, a young religious leader asked Jesus, what's the most important law to follow? What do I need to do to please God? And Jesus famously answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and love your neighbor. And the young man, maybe trying to earn points or look good in front of everybody else, says, Jesus, who's my neighbor? And then Jesus tells the famous story of the Good Samaritan. There's a Jewish man, beat up, robbed, and left half-naked in the gutter. And the religious elite, the people who are supposed to know God's love and show it to everyone, cross the street to avoid Him. We have that happen today, don't we? We see people by the side of the road. If you go into a bigger city, sometimes you see people partially dressed, destitute, dirty, mumbling, shivering, and we walk right by. This person must have done something to get into this position. They are getting what they deserve. And we think we're on God's side in, in terms of justice. But Jesus said, that man is your neighbor, the one in need. And who helps him of all the people? It's the Samaritan, the one who was an outcast, the one who the Jews hated, and he looked at him as a fellow human being in need of help. He went out of his way to pay for his help, to physically pick him up and bring him to somewhere safe, and then said, if you need anything else to care for him, I'll pay whatever it is. He put himself way out there to show Mercy. And that's what God is calling us to do. Show mercy, show God's grace to our neighbors. Well, Jonah was a bad prophet. God gave him a message and said, Go deliver it. He ran away, but he was even worse, neighbor. He didn't care about the men on the ship with him in that boat. He didn't speak to them, he ignored them. He went to sleep and ignored the storm that all of them were facing. He didn't show concern for the common good, and he took the common grace that he experienced completely for granted. In James 2, we learn that faith without mercy, without action, is useless and dead If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to him, go in peace, be warmed and be filled, without giving them the things they needed for their body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. If we just give people platitudes, I'm sending you warm thoughts. Not even a prayer, but I'm just sending you good thoughts. That's useless what is this person's need? Can I help? Praying is not useless. Praying for the person is a great thing to do. Do it with them. Do it in front of them. But meet their physical needs if you can. Don't be like Jonah. Look for opportunities to demonstrate God's love and mercy to your neighbors. And who is your neighbor? Everyone that God brings into your path. Everyone that you see throughout the day, if you are looking for needs to fill, if you're looking for heartaches to help, if you're looking for someone to show compassion to, God will steer those people into your life. Instead of going through it with blinders and ignoring all of those people because you don't have the time, you don't have the ability, God wants us to go through the day with open eyes, saying, God, who can I help today? who can i show love and mercy to on your behalf a couple of years ago we had a message series called the art of neighboring and if you open up your bulletin you're going to find a map and it looks like that who was here a couple of years ago when we talked about neighboring okay less than a third so If you have time and you like to find podcasts, which I can't tell you where to find them, but you can find them, you can find the series on our web page. Um, If you look up today's message, there's a link there as well. It's about looking for people around you and recognizing who your neighbors are. And the starting point is to literally know who your neighbors are. This is you in the middle. Who's the person across from you? Who's the person next to you? What's their name? What are their names? What are their dogs' names? What are their kids' names? What do they do for a living? Get to know them and see how you can love them. And if you hang this on your refrigerator, you can have the fun of filling in the names and filling in the blanks. Some of you live in more rural places, so it might be a mile down the road, but there are still neighbors around you. So fill this out, put it on your fridge, and start praying for some opportunities to love your neighbor. Grace called me super excited because they're getting ready to move into their new house. Grace is my daughter, who is very shy and doesn't like walking up to strangers. But she said, Dad, guess what I did? I met a new neighbor, and I know his name. She was so excited. I said, oh, you have to go download the map so you, can, you and Nathan can start mapping out your neighborhood and getting to know the people around you. It's never too late. Even if you've seen these people for 20 years and you still don't know your name, their names, walk up to them and say, hi, I'm, fill in your name, I've been your neighbor and I don't know your name. Just start with that. But for newlyweds, borrowing things is a great way to get to know your neighbors. When we were out there, we borrowed an air compressor from, I think, Bob across the street. And he was so gracious to let us use his air compressor for a couple days. Then you can bring over the banana bread or whatever else you want to do to show them love, but pay attention to your neighbors. Love them. Look out for them. Care for them. Now that it's spring and we're not running to and from our cars with being outside as little as possible, there are more opportunities to get to know the people around you. Get your kids involved. Most of them are not in the room right now, but they are usually fearless when it comes to introducing themselves, and you can take them with you and uh, get to know some of your neighbors that way. So as we wrap up this morning, I want to leave time for coffee and time for you to get to our Sunday school classes. Are you like Jonah? Do you hide from your neighbors? Could you care less about the things they're going through? Or do you see them and say, they're getting the judgment that they deserve? Scripture is true that God is just and that all sin will be punished. But in your case, Jesus was punished on your behalf. Jesus died for you. If you trust him as your savior, all of that that you have done and that you may ever do has been paid for by Jesus Christ. So who are we to look at someone else and say, they're getting just what they deserved when I haven't gotten what I've deserved? Not only is justice meted out here on earth, but for eternity, we can spend it in heaven with God or we can spend it separated from him in hell for eternity. And that's where you go down, down, down. Further and further into darkness, further into sin, further away from everything that is good. Some people look at the world around them and say, this must be hell. This is terrible. Imagine if God removed that common good and those common graces from the world. This would not be a place we could survive on. But God has blessed us in so many ways. Instead of being like Jonah, will you be a light? Will you be a lighthouse? I missed the song. I was changing my shirt. I didn't get to sing it with you all this morning. Maybe we'll sing it later. Thank you. Will you be a lighthouse? Will you be a light on a hill? Will you be the candlestick in your neighborhood showing people what love looks like, what God looks like, his care, his compassion? Maybe you need to see yourself for the first time as a sinner who needs to be saved, someone who is not getting the punishment that he or she deserves. By trusting in Jesus Christ alone, by faith, not by your good works or good deeds, trusting in Jesus as your Savior, your sins can be forgiven, your hope for the future is secure, and God gives you peace to make it through whatever this world brings our way. If you've never trusted him, if you've never brought your burdens and your worries to him and say, I can't handle this anymore, Jesus, save me. If you need to do that today during our closing song, you can come up and sit in the front pew and I'd be happy to pray with you. If you need to make some other decision, you can also do that. We may not always say it, but anytime after a service that you want to pray or maybe even talk to someone, just come on up to the front and someone will stop and say, would you like to pray with me? And then the last question is Do you know your neighbors? My fridge no longer has this because we have a new fridge and we probably took off all the old things and threw away some of those magnets, but this is going on our fridge and we're going to start filling in some of those neighbors. I know my direct across the street neighbor's name, but I don't know his wife and daughter yet. So there's some new ones that I need to add to my list. Do you love your neighbors? Do they know that? Can they see Christ's love in you, his compassion, his care, his grace, his mercy? Do they know love because God loves you because you've shown it? Fill in the map, see how many people you can add to yours and then start praying for them and pray for opportunities. It might be even borrowing something just to get to know them. Give it back on time. Give it back in better condition than you got it in. Don't be a bad neighbor. That's the beginning of all of this is be a good neighbor, right? Don't let your leaves or other things go on your neighbor's lawn. Love them in the name of Jesus Christ and see what God can do. He'll do great things. Mark's gonna come. We're gonna sing a final song and let me pray with you. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this amazing day to hear the testimonies, to hear how you worked in the lives of Deb and Gail and Donna. Lord, thank you for... Saving them and for their desire to live for you. And I just pray, Lord, that their testimonies would impact many people who heard them today. Lord, help us to love our neighbors, to show compassion, to show your mercy and grace, and to recognize just how much you've done for us. Help us look for opportunities to do for others, to care for them as you care for us. And Lord, help us to be lights in our neighborhood, lights in our workplaces, in our families wherever we are, that we would show your love, we would show the gospel, we would show hope in Jesus Christ. May the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of his Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. It's in his name I pray, amen.